0: Good morning. Morning, morning. Yeah, good to see everybody here this morning. It's
1: good to be able
0: to see you this morning. Yes, and it's good to be anywhere this morning. At your I mean my age. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a good day. God God is good. All the time. All the time? God is good. Indeed He is. Birthdays. Who's got birthdays this week? Isaiah. Anybody else? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. Anniversaries? No one celebrating an anniversary. Okay then, let's uh, turn to page... uh, 13 Joyful joyful we adore thee let's worship the lord Stay please four I must tell Jesus To the Lord in prayer, please. Absolutely. Father
2: God, we are so blessed. Lord, if we began to give thanks and praise and list every reason that we have, we would not have enough time here today. So, Lord, we just praise you. Thank you for every gift. Lord, we do need you. And we must tell you our struggles. We must tell you. Because only you can help us to get through them. Only you can give us the victory. And so, Lord, we are thankful for that as well. We cry out to you. and You always hear and you always answer. You are faithful. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can count on you. Lord, help us to be available that you can count on us too. Bless us during this time and let us be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our Father,
0: who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Communion hymn this morning is number 239 Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Has our like, meditation
3: this morning. Uh, the meditation God led me to read this morning was uh, two gardens. And you know, I don't know. The place we had back in Colfax, I always had a big garden. And I loved it. I mean, and I think this time of year is really special for people that do have a garden because they can see things springing up and they can see things they planted growing. And actually, they can harvest some of that even yeah. now. So, But the two gardens, one very similar to what we see right now, but uh, without sin, and one was a garden that Jesus went to to pray before his death. Because so there, there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Not what I want, but what you want. John's gospel begins with these words. In the beginning... John chose these particular words as a way of pointing to the meaning of the gospel. With them, he intended to take us back to Genesis. Amen. The story of Adam and Eve serves as a backdrop for John's gospel. Adam and Eve were given a garden, which to live. God planted the garden and then called them to tend it. There before a tree, they were tested and tempted. They succumbed to the tempter, turning from God's way, and paradise was lost. Their story is, of course, our story. Each of us has known the will of God. But at time, at some point, We have turned away from it and have eaten the forbidden fruit. John alone tells us that the place where Jesus prayed on the night he was arrested was a garden. Matthew and Mark do not tell us this story. They only tell us it was a place of the oil press. This is the meaning of the word Gethsemane. The gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus prayed on the mount of olives but is no more specific. John alone tells us that Jesus went to a garden to pray. In this garden Eden was being reversed. Jesus public ministry began with the temptation to lay aside God's will and to accept all the riches of the world from the hands of the devil. And now here, at the end of his life, Jesus was in a garden, facing the temptation to save himself and flee. I wonder what the serpent whispered to him that night. Did God really intend for you to suffer and die? or? Surely you don't believe that if you die, anything will change. Or, what good will you be when you are dead? Or, do you really believe that this band of misfits you call disciples will carry out your mission? Look at them. They're sleeping. It's not too late, Jesus. Run. Two gardens, one Adam and Eve, were warned that death would come if they disobeyed. And they still could not resist the forbidden fruit. And the other, Jesus was told he could avoid death if he would only disobey. How different were the responses to temptation between the first Adam and Jesus whom Paul calls the second Adam. In the first garden, Adam prayed, Not thy will, but mine be done. And paradise was lost. In the second garden, as the disciples slept, and the temple guard made their way, Across the kindred valley, Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. His prayer was central to the restoration of what had been lost in Eden. John Wisely, I think I pronounced this right, John Wisely, the founder of the Methodism, popularized the following prayer meant to help those who use it to follow in Jesus' step, surrendering to the will of God. And that prayer reads, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Suffering. Let me be employed for thee, or lay aside for thee. Exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, or let me be empty. Let me have all things, or let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: As we prepare to take the emblem this morning, let's spend a few moments with uh, just a one on one conversation between us and God. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to each of them, saying, This is my body broken for you. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, Jesus took it and giving thanks passed it among them saying this is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the remission of sins as often as you do this do it in remembrance of me until I come again drink of it all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. number uh, 257, near the cross, Jesus keep me near the cross, Amen. there a precious fountain free to all, a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. 301 at the cross.
3: This morning morning is from Matthew chapter 26, the first five verses. And it was the plot against Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, He said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders and the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people.
2: Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh. Well, I want to thank everybody for your prayers. My uh, back is finally feeling some better. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was a kidney infection. My sister Penny went and got me some cranberry juice. And after I drank that, it started getting better. (laughs) So praise the Lord. Oh, boy. Is anybody in here besides me happy? Thank you. (laughs) Do you know why you're happy? We're saved. Our names have been written in the book of life. That's the most important thing of all. You know, as we start this out, it starts out when Jesus had finished saying all these things he had said to his disciples. That's all the things that's leading up to here, and especially where he had been dealing with answering those questions about. You know, when these things will happen, when will the end come, what will be the signs? He had answered all those things, and then he talks about what's going to happen. Right after he answers those questions. As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. You know, here they have just been talking to him and listening and to him answer these questions about when these things will happen, what will be the signs, and what, when will the end come? Now, he had just told them through these parables, you know, first of all, he said, you don't know when it's going to happen, so be ready. The second one, he said, it may come before you think, so be ready. And then in the last one, he said, it may be longer than you think. So be ready. So I think the point was be ready, right? <laughs> no matter what, be ready. Well, how do we be ready for the end? Tell me, how do we be ready for when death comes for us? Always be prepared, Always be prepared how? Ha. Huh? Stay stay prayed up. Yeah, absolutely. Be baptized. Be saved. Be saved. Be baptized. Live it daily. Live it daily. Absolutely. Witness. M- witness. Anybody else? I mean, folks, being a Christian is not just a title. It's a lifestyle. Being a Christian means... The I-A-N on the end of Christ means that we are owned by him. We are his. He purchased us with his blood. And this is what he's telling the disciples now. That that time is coming for him to purchase mankind's salvation with his own blood. And he had just talked about. You know, it may be sooner, it may be later, you don't know, so be ready. And then he tells them, okay, I'm going to be crucified. So I imagine they're thinking, wait a minute, if he's going to be crucified, this means times now. (laughs) Well, that wasn't necessarily so, was it? It's been 2,000 years since then, and the end has not come yet. Now, the end for many has come, (laughs) but the end of the world as we know it. Has not yet come. The time of judgment for all mankind has not yet come. But we can be assured that it is coming. However, what's more important for us individually. Is that whether we're here when that day comes or not. Our time is going to come to an end and we're going to stand before our Savior, our God. And so he's warning us individually as well as a people as a whole and a church to be ready at all times. Folks, you know, I've often thought about different kinds of scenarios Where, what if you die while you're committing a sin? What happens? I don't want to find out, do you? I don't want to push this limit. You know, the the problem with many of of today's Christians and the, the culture of today is often that we want to push the limits as far as we can the, the idea of being good just for goodness sake has passed somehow. And now the idea is let's be as bad as we can and get away with it. And that idea somehow has gotten into theology too. It's gotten into the church. People want to know how far can I push this with God before he will reject me and say no, sorry. Sorry. I never knew you. Depart from me. That's not a question we should be asking. That's not a thing we should be focusing on. What we should be focusing on is, Lord, how much can I do to show you how much I appreciate what you did for me? That's what we should be thinking. That's how we should be living. Folks, I don't know how many of you in here have seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie, The Passion of Christ. And... For those of you who haven't, if you get a chance and you can stomach it, (laughs) I highly recommend that you watch it. It is hard to watch. But it has been said that in that video, what we see is really mild compared to what he probably really went through. And I don't know about you, but every time I watch that, I cry. I'm reminded how much he loved me. To go through all of that. Just so I could be saved. And then I get to thinking about how stupid it is. To play with sin. To see Lord. You know. This ain't so bad is it? <laughs> I mean. Come on. It's just this one little thing. It's not a big deal right? It is a big deal. Sin. Sin. God says, no, no sin. God is holy. And he said, be holy as I am holy. That's a big, big thing, folks. What does it mean to be holy? Well, just look at God. (laughs) If you want to know what it means to be holy, look at God. God never sins. God never does anything out of anger unless it's righteously so. The Bible even says, be ye angry and sin not. Now, I don't know about you, but I have this problem where when I get angry, I don't avoid sin. (laughs) I get angry it's usually sin that's involved and if it's not sin at that point it will be by the time I'm done exploding (laughs) and we have to learn to do better than that in other words we have to learn to let ourselves die the flesh the self die and let Christ live in us And walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Will the Holy Spirit ever tell you to do anything wrong? No. So why don't we listen? (laughs) Some of you are sitting there saying, I do, I do. All the time. (laughs) That's where the problem comes, isn't it? It is. There are times when it seems like it's easy for us to walk with Christ and to obey. But then there's other times when it's not so easy to do what he's saying. Especially those times when you're angry at somebody and you want to just choke a life out of them. (laughs) And he's saying, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) You're saying, oh, boy, the minute it's okay, you've had it. (laughs) I remember hearing an old preacher one time. He said, he said, uh, (laughs) I know it's wrong and we're not supposed to hold grudges and we're not supposed to judge people and we're not supposed to get angry. He said, but you know what? The moment it's okay, I got a list. (laughs) I wonder how many of us feel that way. The moment it's okay, i got a list. I'm keeping it back here. (laughs) Jesus said he was going to be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priest and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest him, Jesus, secretly, And kill him or by some sly way. (laughs) But they said not during the festival uh, festival, or there may be a riot among the people. So here you have the religious leaders of the day are the ones who are most offended by Jesus. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Is it because maybe they're the biggest hypocrites? <laughs> they're the biggest liars, cheaters. They're the biggest sinners. So they're the most offended. But in their minds, they're doing what's right. That's something we have to remember. In in their minds... They're thinking, oh yeah, this is just another one of those people who claim to be the Messiah. They've seen it time after time after time. False messiahs have produced themselves and they've had to deal with it. But this one's different. This one is different. Because the things he says actually make sense. The things he says, though, also puts them... In the wrong, and they don't like that very much. I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me I'm wrong, I don't like that very much. Even if they're right, (laughs) I still don't like it very much. And maybe because they're right, I like it less. (laughs) But you know, the Bible says if you're wise, you will listen to that counsel and you will grow from it. You will change what you did wrong and make it right. And here's here's a thought. If we can't stand our fellow man telling us when we're wrong, how do we handle it when God tells us we're wrong? Do we do that any better? You see, when I am in charge, my flesh flares up and goes on defense when somebody says, I've got a problem with you. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a problem with you, too. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit's in charge, we'll say, oh, well, what is it? And we'll listen. And we will evaluate and we will observe and we will see if they're right or wrong. And if they're right, we will learn and grow from it. If they're wrong, we'll come back and tell them, you know, I thought about that. But I disagree with you. I've paid attention and I don't do that. I may have done it once and didn't realize it. And if I did and it offended you, I'm sorry. But I don't do that normally. I have watched and paid attention since you told me. But how many times have you ever heard somebody come to you and tell you that? You ever remember anybody ever doing that? Rather than, you know, you slap me, I'm going to slap you back. (laughs) Jesus is our example, yes? You agree? When Jesus was beaten before he was crucified, did he fight back? Did he take their whips from them and whip them with them? Did he shout obscenities at them? (laughs) Did he even shout telling them how wrong they were? Maybe there's a lesson there for us to learn. You know, we're told in the scripture that we will be persecuted if We follow Jesus. There is a subculture within our society today that hates God, hates Christ, and hates Christians. Hates the church and everything that it resembles. And if they have their way, they will shut down every church. They will find a way to make us guilty of some crime of hate. Hate speech. And shut us down. But I'm not worried about that. You know why? The Bible says that the gates of hell will not stand against God's church. And I believe it. Do you? I believe it. I'm always going to stand on the word of God and preach the truth. I don't care who likes it, who dislikes it, who hears it, who don't hear it. Now, if I'm teaching something that's wrong and somebody points it out to me, I will try to correct it. But you're going to have to have proof to back it up. But if I'm telling the truth and the truth bothers you, you're the one with the problem, not me. And it's not me you have a problem with. It's with God and his word. Because I'm just telling you what he says. And when we get convicted... From something that God is speaking to us through His Word, we're supposed to repent. In other words, we confess that we're wrong in what we were doing. And when we repent, means to turn from. We turn from that thing that He's telling us is wrong and turn to Him. In other words, obey what He says. In these parables and in this prophecy or prediction of his coming crucifixion, he is telling us, be ready at all times. Don't let the devil get you sidetracked. Don't let the devil get you all caught up in this or that that's going on in this part of the town or this part of the county or this part of the state or this part of the world, don't let the devil get you caught up in all the politics and all the, this garbage and all of that garbage. Instead, stay the course, stay straight on the narrow path, following what God says, no matter what anybody and everybody else is doing. You know, I'll never forget my dad. Every time I ask him, can I do this or can I go here, can I go there, can I do this? Well, why? Why do you want to do it? Well, so-and-so's going and -and so-and-so's going to be there. Oh, well, if they jump off the bridge, you're going to do that too. (laughs) I heard that so many times. (laughs) I finally told him, Dad, I want to jump off that bridge. Where is it? That wasn't wise. (laughs) He threatened to push me off the bridge (laughs) with a rock tied to me. Uh, So yeah, he wasn't happy about that. But, you know, we have to make sure that our lives are in tune with the Holy Spirit. You can literally get a tune-up from the Word of God. When we listen, To what God is speaking through his word as we're studying, as we're praying, reverently asking God to guide us. He will tune us up by tuning us in to him. And then the challenge becomes doing it. What did James say about don't just be a hearer of the word? What else? Do what it says. (laughs) If you're a hearer only, you'll end up in hell. But if you're a doer of the word of God, then you will see Christ face to face. I wonder if we were there when Jesus was saying this, if we were one of the disciples that was walking right there, With Jesus at this time, when He came, what would we do if we if we were standing there and we just heard Him talk about all of these different things, man? What would we do if He then turned around and said, "I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to die." I think the first thing that I would do is panic. (laughs) What? You can't leave us here alone? But he didn't. He sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, his spirit. You know, having his spirit live within us is how we have the mind of Christ. We have the benefit of knowing, yes, Jesus did go to the cross. And we have the benefit of understanding why he went to the cross. And we know, as Christians, what put him on the cross. My sin. My sin put him there. That's why when he died, he paid for my sin. It's personal. It's personal to me it's personal to you when we have a relationship with him it's personal he loved you so much that he went through all of that he died and his blood was shed to cleanse us of every stain of every spot when God looks down from heaven and looks on you and me he doesn't see a sinner He sees his son or his daughter. We've been adopted through that shedding of Christ's blood and our faith in what he did. We've been adopted into his family. Now let me ask you, even though you may have a child or children that have or currently are misbehaving, what do you see when you look at them while they're doing that? You still see your child. You still love them. Your heart may break, but you still love them. God put that within us, folks, because that's how he feels when he looks down. When he sees so many people not honoring him, it breaks his heart. And I don't want to be one of them, do you? So let's be ready because of what he did. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob.
0: Invitation hymn is number 364. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? Let's stand and sing.